Hey, what's up? This is Mike Fenoya, host of Amigos Podcast here on the Osiris Network. What is Amigos Podcast? Well, I am a stand-up comedian, writer for True TV's Impractical Jokers, and a music freak. So I invite my pals to come talk music, comedy, and everything in between. So uh, if you want to come hang, we'd love to have you. Thank you. to the party pal the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed i am one of your hosts michael shields and i have with me your other host mitch lucas mitch how you doing good how you doing i'm hanging in i'm hanging in i love uh what we're doing here today because um we're going to be celebrating a, a slew of films because we're celebrating a director and uh i've gotten i've had the opportunity to get lost in um, a whole lot of films uh, over the last couple of days and that's been a lot of fun for me yeah, I'm I'm exploring a filmmaker who I had only seen one of his films, The Favorite. I loved it, and yep. you know, I mentioned I found uh, Dog Tooth on the Criterion Channel. I mentioned that that might be something we'd like to, you know, look at. And you said, why don't we just do a Yorgos Lanthimos set here? And I'm really excited because I I it gave me a chance to really dig into what he was about and see the the continuity between his films and the sim. The, the threads that are uh, binding them. Absolutely. I want to do deep dives into directors uh, like this more often. But yeah, like Mitch alluded to, we're here to celebrate Yorgos Lanthimos, the Greek film and stage director and screenwriter. He has received four Academy Award nominations for his work, including Best Foreign Language Film for the aforementioned Dogtooth, uh, Best Original Screenplay for The Lobster, which we will be talking about, and, um, and then uh, Best Picture nominee for The Favorite. So um, he's, uh, he's got a total of one, two, three, four, uh, five films under his belt. One, um, that he directed, uh, with someone else. Um, but we're going to focus on three of them here today. We're going to talk about, um, Dogtooth. That's, that's the one that kind of pushed him out into, uh, notoriety. And then, um, The Lobster, which is, I just think is a fascinating film. I'm excited to dissect. And then, uh, The Favorite, which blew up and, and, and kind of, you know, he was, it was one, uh, I, it, uh, it received 10 Academy Award nominations and the whole thing. So I'm curious to kind of commence here. Uh, Mitch, 
What is it that you think um, makes uh, your ghost so special? Well, there's a sort of... there's there's an oddness and an incongruity that all of his films have that they they uh, you know there's just something where it, it just doesn't seem like he's uh playing by the rules in terms of how he puts things <laughs> together there's it, it just seems like there's both a lot of thought in these films and 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 a lot of open-minded sort of unplanningness to them um they feel very simple and very complex at the same time. And I, I felt also that all all the three films we watched, in my mind, had to do with uh, what happens when you spend a lot of time in isolation and you sort of build these families yeah. with maybe, you know, uh, families that are born out of necessity, sort of. Absolutely. And, and how uh, I think we were both kind of blown away by the pertinence, especially of Dogtooth. And just like you said, that theme kind of resonates throughout to what's happening in the world now with COVID. And, and I'm, I'm assuming that there are a lot of uh, families, um, not definitely blood related, that uh, that are happening or, uh, you know, kind of a result of what's what's this whole pandemic going on. But um, so that's what's so fun about what happened here and how this this episode developed is, you know, you were going through the criteria criterion collection and uh, you picked this out and I actually assumed that you had you knew it and you knew how uh, um, how how much it would speak to what's happening in the modern day because um, you know, Dogtooth, for anyone who might be here who does not know about it, it's about a husband and wife who keep their children um, ignorant of the world outside their property well into adulthood. They keep them trapped in their home the entire time, and um, they can leave once they have a, a Dogtooth come in and only safely by car, which is really, really interesting. But uh, it just, it was, it was, I gotta say, I saw it back in the day because it did have. Um, uh, I, I always try to keep up and watch like the the nominees, and it was a, a best foreign film, and I did see it, and I remember kind of thinking it was kind of you know unique and funny. I had a traumatic experience rewatching it, and, and I think it had a lot to do with um, you know what what it what it speaks to in our time right now. Yeah, I mean, like you had started to say, I I had no idea the resonance of this film when I chose it. I I. Re- I was looking through the Criterion Channel's like listings, and I saw, <laughs> you know, Yorgos Lathavos, and I said, I, "I like that guy." And then I, I said, "I haven't seen this one," and I, mm-hmm. I just said, "Why don't we watch this?" So that's just a, an odd <laughs> turn of events that <clears throat> this movie is about uh, a family whose the children are forbidden from leaving and forbidden from leaving like the grounds within inches of a certain, you know. Uh, line of demarcation and all of the things that they're going through are heightened versions of what I think a lot of people are going through right now. You're making up your own, you know, rules and your own Mm -hmm. traditions. And in some respects, we hope what we're going through now helps us for the better. It certainly doesn't in this film, Uh, the the isolation, (laughs) the isolation takes its toll in the most, uh, you know, horrific ways. Uh, but it's very interesting to see, to think about this idea and to think about what this sort of sheltering in place of this film, how it resonates with what we're going through. 
Yeah, it felt a, a lot of ways like a like a COVID nineteen horror film. Yeah. Um, one thing I respect so much, we were already speaking a little bit about what we find so special about Yorgos, and and you already alluded to it in, in a major way. Just uh, his world building to me blows my mind. I was reading an article; um, it was IndieWire, I believe, where um, it mentioned how he creates disturbing, self-contained worlds that adhere to their own logic, which you already mentioned. And uh, they sound ludicrous on paper. And somehow um, they, they uh, you know, become credible and remain credi- credible as it plays out on screen. And I mean, if you think about how kind of ridiculous this idea is of these kids living, uh, being kind of trapped by their parents, unwitting, they don't know. Um, and just the dad, you know, these these crazy ideas like the dad's like you have to wait till this tooth comes in to to be freed into the world and then only by car um they they it sounds you know completely absurd but when you're watching it and just the way it's filmed and and just you know how he he does such a good job of explaining these unique worlds that he does create it, it it makes sense when you're watching these things well i think also one thing i'd add to it <coughs> excuse me is that Oftentimes, and I found this to be a thread between Dogtooth and the film we'll talk about next, The Lobster, is that many mm-hmm. scenes are played out with the information that we we see scenes out of context and only a scene or two later maybe are the details explained. Uh, yeah. Certainly yeah. in this film, we see we see things happening that we don't know the reasons why there's certainly not a disclaimer at the beginning of this film that says, you know, uh, or, or maybe, you know, maybe it's just my understanding was different. Uh, but Mm -hmm. I found that in that you see a scene that is very ambiguous. And then as the film rolls out, you know, you understand what a scene that played out five minutes previously, all of a sudden you get the information that you need. It's a delayed, It's a delayed uh, sort of exposition. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan. Uh, I think that's why I enjoyed Dogtooth at the time. It's something as I was getting into cinema, um, anything that was of, of a uh, surrealistic uh, nature, I love. And it's because I love to, um, you know, I've always grown up loving fiction and just when someone can craft a world and then as I'm watching or as I'm reading, I'm trying to figure it out and I'm getting more information and, and, and starting to really come upon what, you know, this, this thing is they, they crafted was it's, it just always fascinated me. And that's something you're finding in all of, um, all of his films. They're so unique. He creates this reality that, that as I go through and I'm watching the film, I just want to know more and more about the world and, and, and hoping that it expands and I can just find out exactly what, you know, his vision was and what's going on. And one thing to also kind of touch back to this isolation idea, I found it just, um, really remarkable how he made you feel like you were trapped in those walls. I mean, there's, uh, you know, certain things where you've seen the airplanes fly overhead and then, um, you know, the door closing behind the car going out. And then that one point where the toy gets trapped outside the door and they can't go out. It's just like you really in like the, the, the stuff with the, the maybe brother neighbor. Uh, you really you've, you're trapped in there with them in, in a way that's that's pretty haunt, haunting. Absolutely. And something I think that helps uh, create this sense of uh, trapped and, and 
you know, claustrophobic uh, essences, there's this really odd juxtaposition of images and sound. Um, some scenes play out where the characters are talking and you only see the feet of the characters. Um, yeah. And it tells you a lot about what... It tells, tells you just as much about what they're thinking as if you saw their eyes. Um, the same thing happens with some of the soundtrack. The soundtrack is very minimal. And when you yeah. and when they do play out a song, it's usually... It feels it feels like maybe it could be traditional Greek music of some kind or a or a you know but it it feels very surreal and haunting in how it's how it's utilized with with slow motion and these odd like fights that these people would get into and all the ambient sound would drown out and you would just hear this yeah. song and and those those things kind of help to build that isolation that you're talking about. Absolutely, and also uh, kind of the, the the those soundscapes you're talking about also kind of you know you know I mentioned that it was like a COVID nineteen horror film. There's there, it, it, it that that definitely adds to it. We can't go too much further. Speaking of Yorgos and um, especially these three films we're talking about without uh, talking about the uh, two words dark comedy, and because these are the I I, I believe the aim. Um, even though you know it comes across in in a unique way, especially in Dogtooth, I found the other two we're going to speak on a whole lot more overtly funny. But uh, you know, th- th- there's a lot of lot of dark dark humor in this, and and like I did say already, it's it's I had I had, I had tough time um, with Dogtooth uh, watching it again with the, some of the incest. It's got a lot of violence in it, and just like the isolation theme i was i found it i found it pretty pretty tough but i was also laughing at times and the uh the one where the grandfather he he pretends to his kids that his grandfather is the frank sinatra um singing so bizarre it's it's ingenious it's so bizarre but it's so it's so clever and he's translating it to mean something that that helps him keep uh keep them in there also the in the the sort of odd translations that they would give for you know different things meant it was like gibberish you know well yeah and i was actually just gonna say uh the because there were certain words they didn't know and they were wondering what a pussy was once they found uh the porno at one point and she's like a piss a pussy is a big light for example the pussy is switched off um the room plunges into darkness. That that was really, uh, you know, that those you actually absolutely. That's exactly where I was going. Those type of words, the family barking to keep things off. That's that was really funny. Um, the, how they convinced their kid that the mother will give birth to two children and a dog. The um, the anniversary like uh, dance and guitar performance was almost like a you know something out of a Wes Anderson movie or something like that. But there is like even through what what I was uncomfortable with, there, there's a lot of things that are so absurd and just pretty hilarious. The uh, the dance I at the very end I felt was very powerful to me because it was comedic. I think it summed up my feeling about the entire film because this dance <clears throat> it was very comedic. It was very deadpan you know static shot of this of this girl starting to dance in this in the the traditional way that she was taught and then it goes in it sort of devolves into like madness and just like uh, you, you know like she's really like a maniac and, and we, but it also this was her unraveling 
And this was the emotional core of the film where she's breaking down and becoming something else. And so it's both comedic, yeah. and, but it's it's dark Poignant. and twisted and, and powerful all at the same time, which is sort of what he's getting across with each of his films. Now, I wanted to mention one thing. Uh, Please. It's just sort of a throw it in there. So it's an aside a bit. But does this film not remind you of The Village by M. Night Shyamalan? Absolutely. And I think that's um that's a wonderful compliment to the village. And yeah, what 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 parallels did you find there? Well, you know, the village being that their 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 families are trying to keep them away from the real world and they're trying yep. to create this uh uh, you know, I, I guess it's like Puritan uh, world that actually exists. And, you know, I think it was 2000 when the film came out. And I think that was the time period that the actual world was. But none of the children actually knew what happened outside of that village. And they didn't know that there was that it was modern times because they didn't even know what modern yep. times were. So you yep. get this odd. But what's different is the viewer doesn't know it. In the village, the viewer thinks it was yeah. in the sixteenth, yep. you know, the seventeenth century. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, different in the sense that that is more of a horror film, I think, a psychological thriller and a horror film. Whereas this is a little bit more of a dark comedy and horrific, but more of a comedic take on it. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 going to it's it's. I feel like its aim was a more um, comedic and also, you know, thought provoking. If what if this was the situation, you know, how would it play out? Um, This brings me to what you just said brings me to a question. And I don't know if you'll have an answer, but I have to ask it because I'm just so curious. And if any listeners out there um, had thoughts on it, I'd love to hear. But uh, um, what I mean, I, I don't know if we got if we dug in enough or found out anything about the motives of the parents. Did you have any thoughts? Like, cause uh, you know, there's a lot of, I'm going to discuss this soon too at, at, at length, the ambiguity out there and you, we get to fill in a lot of holes ourselves, but did you have any take on why the father um, and mother, um, you know, went about this? What the, were they just trying to, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? I almost there? feel, I was thinking about this with another story that I was musing on, but I think I almost feel like, if there was a justification, it might lessen the oddness of uh, the, the tone that he was going for. That's the like sort sure. of an easy answer. Like it would be better if I. Had. I think it's a great answer. Uh, I mean, any 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 answer that I gave you would be. I, I almost feel like we as an audience understand that there are just very strange people out there that live in an isolated way, and I, I you know I. I just that's it's almost it's almost it, it it's almost too that 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 mis- mystery that would be too neat for this yeah that mystery sort of helps strengthen our our fear of of going into that world yeah yeah no I I I actually really really appreciate that answer because there's ways to look at it so if it was. A righteous thing that he, or, you know, righteous in his mind, where he was trying to protect them from something, as we, you know, kind of allude to in the village. Then, then you know, his motives are good. Or uh, conversely, if he, if he's just like doing it, you know, to torture or, or some sort of evil way, we know 
that it's just, it's, it's, you know, malice. And there's something special about examining the whole situation um, with that being left open and you, and you don't know exactly why. And yeah, I think also, plus there's, there's, there's just freaks out there. Let's be honest. That's it's, it's, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's not, you'd be, I think we'd all be really, really shocked um, by some of the things that happen in our own neighborhoods uh, all across this country yeah. and this world. Um, I certainly we don't need to speak uh, on. I don't appoint any morality to it in any way. Yeah. Um, I definitely yep. think that he's, <clears throat> they're all just, demented that it's a demented family with a demented past but at the same time i don't think they believe that which is you know i I think they they consider themselves to be like uh uh, 1950s uh all-american or you know traditional yeah in their own (laughs) traditional in their own land but like a traditional family you know yeah, it's uh, there's you know, and I, I think it's definitely time for us to to give the lobster some shine. But there's, it's funny how much we didn't um, explore in this film. It's it's the, the, it, this it is such a wild ride. I mean, even speaking to the father bringing in someone to have sex with his son, the things that happen, um, you know, with the son, uh, you know, as they're trying to service him, and it's just it's just wild. But before we move on, we. I would like your thoughts on on the ending, and and we're gonna see this theme of this kind of ambiguous ending uh, come up a couple times here in our discussion. But um, at the end, one of the children, um, you know, find a way out. They they jump in his trunk and uh, get carted off to his factory, and that's where we where they just kind of fade to black. Uh, a picture of the car with her still in the trunk. Um, so, I mean, that's just basically an opportunity for us to uh, decide what's next, right? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I want to believe that she eventually does get out of the trunk. And I I, I personally left that with her um, in in a sense of fear. I didn't th- I think it would be yeah. too easy that she died of, you know, suffocation. I, I, I believe that she was alive and the car stops mm-hmm. and she knows that this is, as good a chance as any to leave, and she just doesn't want to open that trunk and see what's out there. She's, she's being she's, she's she's being patient with it, and yeah, and yeah, she's she's absolutely terrified with it. Um, I mean, of course, it's an option. It is definitely a possibility that she she is dead in there. Yeah, I absolutely. like to imagine my my take on it is the minute uh, the second after it fades to black, we hear uh, we hear that trunk pop open. That's that's where my head's at, and and I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. So, uh, anything else you wanted to say? I, I'm I'm so ex- I I'm a big lobster fan, so I'm excited to go there. But I don't want to. If you had any other points on uh, on no, dark teeth, I I, th- I got to to uh, throw my the village uh, reference in there, <laughs> and uh, and also points for the jaws. You knocked reference. that out of the park, Mitch. Yeah. So and the we, what? And then the the Jaws reference. Uh, yes. In there. Anyone who's listened to me and you talk know how yeah. you feel about Jaws, which exactly. is so great. The Lobster is a, a love story set in the near future where single people, according to the rules of the city, are arrested and uh, taken to the hotel. They There they are obliged to find a mate in 45 days or they are <laughs> turned into animals and banished again. If you look at that on paper, it just it like how does it get made? You know, it just it is complete absurdism. But this film is 
absolutely fascinating. It's 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 it got a, it's to me it's it's putting on a seminar of world building. Um, beyond just that premise, there's so much more to it. The hunts and the people living, um, you know, outside of the the hotel and everything. But um, what's your take on this film? Uh, again, there's a sense of fear about it, uh, mm. the, and I think that it stems from loss of control. Um, yeah. I felt I felt like, you know, there's a there's a sense of like we're going to take care of everything for you. Um, but you're also not going to be able to figure any of this stuff out on your own anymore. Um, that, that's, uh, that's a scary thought, you know? Um, yeah. If to relate it to our own lives, you know, <clears throat> as we move on in life, there's always a sort of amount of change and, mm-hmm. uh, some of it's for the better, but you're always going to be, you're always going to be thinking about, you know, uh, that idea of like, uh, I, I mean, these people are thinking about like change is happening. You're either going to become an animal or you're going to change in that you're going to find love. Uh, so this film was about not being able to stay who you were. Uh, that's how I, yeah. the take I had from it. That's, that's a great, that's a great, great point. That's, that's, I feel like that's really, um, getting to the heart of the matter. Um, one thing I really take away and I think it's, you know, we all take away, um, uh, certain things because of what we bring to the table while we're watching. And I've always thought um, that it's kind of bullshit uh, that the way that society treats single people. Um, and it, I feel like there's a strong commentary in there on how society sees single people. I've been, I personally, um, you know, I've traveled many times uh, uh, just by myself and I, and then I've traveled with my you know not my now ex wife but with with another partner and then I've also traveled with my child and 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 her mom and I've just I think about all the different ways in which I was treated each each time and I, I it's I think overall you know single people especially as you age there's a stigma and they are treated differently and I think I think this speak film speaks to it a little bit which is which which is really really um interesting in a, in a way to me yeah and this is another film where similar to dog tooth you wonder what are the events that led up to this uh you know is it uh, is it is there a population shortage you know are they, are they mm-hmm. trying to tell people to stop living single the single life and that they need to uh partner up and start helping the human race but there's a there's a level of control here going on and uh th- there's something government mandated about this change I, it seems uh because yeah. they're 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 you know and again it's similar to this idea of you know checking people's temperatures and being able to like walk up to somebody mm-hmm. and like take their temperature in this situation <laughs> we're dealing with now this possibility of trying to track who has the virus it's like they're tracking single people and you know they're coming yep. up to people like the Gestapo, <laughs> trying to ask if you know s- to uh, you know seek them out and and get them into these uh, uh, situations where they have to change. I was thinking about um, uh, Handmaid's Tale in that way. Handmaid's Tale is when uh, when they're at the mall and the cops coming up to them, thinking they found some single person, and just you're abs- like just like what you just said this. This what what was everything that came down to the fact that whatever uh, 
you know, that whoever was in power, whatever administration was in power, made the decision that this is what's wrong. And, and then after time, that becomes the new normal. That is just the way everything uh, it, it, like is what everyone expected. I, I, I was taken, it's, and it's, you know, it's not really like a big moment in the film, but there was a point when they were going out to the hunt the first time. And they're all in, in, the, in, their, in the bus. And there wasn't really a sense of fear in the bus. I mean, if I was going out there and doing what they were about to do, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be absolutely terrified, freaking out, jumping out the bus, whatever, something. And, but it was just, that was just the way things were. And I was thinking that a lot in Dogtooth when, and you think about, you know, you know, you can't not think about the, the room that the room, the film, the room um, as well. But like when you're, when they are just growing up in that house, they're acting that way. And, and, and reacting to the world just to that reality, to the to the facts of the situation as they know it. So all of them were just going out on that hunt, and that's just the way it was. This is what you do, and they were all trying to figure out the best way to do it, and I thought that was fascinating. And like in Dogtooth, there's an incentive. Uh, in this film, the incentive is that if you were to catch somebody or to, to, uh, to tranquilize someone, you're going to get more days to find a mate. So if anything, they've, you know, they're thinking more about saving their own lives, which is also sacrificing others for your own skin happens (laughs) a lot in this film. So uh, maybe that's the least that they were thinking about in terms of the fear of hurting another person or fear of the unknown is is their their survival instincts are, are, you know, geared up there, maybe. No, and I, I, I think no, maybe that's that's the truth. It's uh, you know what's so special about his films is you know within these world buildings, there's uh, it's so sincere, meaning that there's no wink, there's no like like nod to it not being what it is. It just it's 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 all in all the time. Um, another thing that um, and this happens in the favorite as well, and and across these three films is. Uh, the way sex is viewed is really, really unique and it, it, a little bit disturbing, actually. It's almost looked at as very mechanical. Um, you see it in the fav- uh, in excuse me, Dogtooth when with the way they they are uh, using sex with the with the male and then uh, the their, their son, and then you see it in um, in and definitely in the lobster. It's just it's it's not it's not a uh, it's not romantic by any means. And then once again we see it later in the favorite when. Um, Emma, Emma's character, she's like, after their marriage, she's like, you know, going on a rant while she's giving her new husband a hand job. It's just, it's really odd, mechanical. It's like utilitarian, I, I guess is the word yeah. I would use it as. I think there's, he plays off of the visuals of like airplane instruction guides when we see these like sexual, uh, like especially when the maid, <laughs> the maid comes yeah. in. <clears throat> I love the idea that you're not, uh, masturbation is illegal, and but being having the maid uh, like get you off is mandatory. <laughs> That's an odd yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. One point that I would make with this that I I thought plays in both of these films, uh, less so in the favorite, but definitely in these first two films, is I I have uh, I have this written down as a world without nuance which I felt was both in both films, specifically the lobster. There's just no, there's no like 
Nothing is said between the lines. Everything is just, you know, think about the heartless woman. Is she like chokes? She fakes choking to see yeah. if, if, uh, if David is, if he'd have a reaction. Yeah. And he has no reaction. <laughs> yeah. She says, I think we are a match. You know, everything yeah, in yep. the film is, is clinical in that sense. And I felt that same way in Dogtooth. Um, and then I think it, things become more, there becomes more, I think, flavor in the, in their next film. But this world, I think we're still in this world where there's, like I said, there's no, there's no like style to anything in it. And it's, yeah. it, it, people just no, say you, the specific you, words that they need to say to get to the yep. next thing. And I it love really, that. uh, yeah, I do too. I, I really appreciate it. It aids in world building too, because each time they're kind of telling you, they're giving you another piece of the puzzle of understanding the whole whole thing. And it, and it does go back to what I was just saying about kind of like the no wink. It's just all, it is sincere across the board in its meaning entirely. Um, again, just a whole bunch of dark humor. In, in this case, it was a little bit more absurd um, than uh, uh, a dog tooth in, 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 in a whole different vein. So I was able to actually really understand, you know, not, not understand, appreciate it more. I, I like the humor in this a lot. Like the um, one that really got me is when they're on stage and they're showing like the woman walking by um, a man when he's when she's by herself. She'll she'll always end up getting raped. But if she's with a man, he won't bother her. And then there's also the um, the, the eating together thing. You end up choking if you don't eat with someone. I found that absolutely hysterical. The code that uh, um, Colin Firth and Rachel Weiss had, you know, when they were showing each other the, their hand signals, those were another things. There's a lot of really, really good uh, humor in this. Oh, yeah. And I tell you who stood out in this film is uh, as sort of not fitting in with the style of the, the tone, but like maybe by like in, like that it was intended, but with John C. Riley just plays John C. Riley. John C. Yeah. Riley. I mean, he's just being himself. The same guy, the same guy you'd see in in a Paul Thomas Anderson film, and he's a fish out of water in this film. And I and I think it adds. <laughs> it it also sort of gives you this sense of like, don't take this film too seriously. Don't freak out too much. We have John C. Riley here. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, yo, that's a great point. That's a great point. Like, yeah, exactly. You see don't, him and like, you're like, I'm not enjoy as yourself. Yeah. Enjoy yourself a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It, and of course he's and that's it, I, uh, and of course he's being caught what? masturbating the first day, you know. <laughs> no. Poor guy got his hand stuck in a toaster. Uh yeah, I mean just think about the names we just reeled off. Um, you know, I said Rachel Weiss, uh Olivia Coleman's in this, who's obviously in the favorite moving forward. Uh, I mean think about Colin. Colin was just he was he's like he, he's a huge star and like he, he, I love this role for him. I thought he was, I thought he was, per, I think it's an underappreciated role. How well he, you know, he went all in on the, again, the sincerity. I love, um, Ben Winshaw, um, uh, a lot too. You know, this is what, uh, so I guess what I'm speaking to is there's a lot of, um, actors who are really enjoying working with Yorgos as we see. And it's just, this this cast is amazing. The cast and the favorite we're going to get into is amazing. I mean, he he gets in. Um, they in, from what, everything I saw and, and read, they they come to him. Um, they like they want to work with him because um, he's very uncompromising. He's he's you know he's he's stuck on his vision. He's he's not writing for anyone, but people want to work with him, and and we see it here. 
Yeah, and we could talk more. I I sort of watched some interviews that talked about uh, speak to his directing style, and we could talk about it more. But I know that he doesn't really do a lot of direction. He lets the actors find it themselves and explore. It's a very nice. exploratory directing style. And um, you know, speaking to like the cast, Olivia Coleman is one of my favorite actors working out out there, and she's just the the scene where she's like doing the duet with her husband is so bizarre yeah. and it just plays into the comedy we've been talking about. And, uh, well, these things can sort of lead into the favorite, but, uh, I, I definitely know that, you know, his, his style allows for actors to be themselves and to be the best version of themselves. Talking about Colin Farrell, you know, we, I'm not sure that we'd seen him play this role as often. Um, he usually plays no. high status characters that are, mm-hmm. you know, either, jocks or i mean i haven't seen every you know every colin farrell movie but i feel like this is definitely a change for him in terms of this low status sort of slow moving slow talking lose you know always losing type of character he's fully schlubby i mean like his gut is is huge he's just like he's subservient in many ways he's you know he's lost his way right from the onset you're absolutely right this is this is he, this is definitely out of um, the realm of characters that we've seen uh, from him across the board. And, and it just, it works so, so well. I have uh, two things I want to ask um, before we move on, because it's almost favorite time. But uh, one, um, so he was asked what animal he would want to be. And he chose a, a lobster. And I loved his answer uh, because lobsters live for 100 years. They're blue-blooded. Like um like a like aristocrats and they stay fertile all their lives. Uh, he, he I love he went deep in thinking about that. Mitch, what are you gonna be? What are you coming back as? Oh man, I mean, it's too. Is it too easy to say shark? Because that's just like the greatest thing. That no, is. okay. Well, I'm, I'll even go easier. I mean, I I think that's a great answer. Um, is uh, I understood that they had an overabundance of dogs. And I, I completely understood that. <laughs> I yeah. was like, uh, that, 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 that would maybe be my go-to right away. And yeah. it shows how uh, they Well, you that, get to that, be that, around that. humans a lot. Absolutely. They, they, I mean, any dog I've seen that's treated well is just having a really, really great life. They have a lot, you know, it's, it's just, the, I don't know. The dog sounds right up my alley. You're indoors. You're, you know, we've domesticated them. You're, you're taken care of. You're fed. And you just have to show the love and chase the ball. Um and then the other question, and this also harkens back to what we were talking about in Dogtooth and these ambiguous endings. Um, in the bathroom, I mean, what 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 happened after it fade, faded to black once again here? I sensed hesitation in him before they sort of got there. I I, I felt like he was a, he. I felt like he made a choice to leave, um, but her blindness was affecting him. And obviously we're at this point where he's sort of verbally made a decision that he wants to be with her and that he's going to make this choice. But I think he's grappling with the choice. I, I mean, I, I would just put my money down on him coming back and sort of saying, why don't we give it a week or something like that? Uh, okay. I, I, I don't think we could do anything, but sort of guess or, 
No, we can't. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what we did the same thing with Dogtooth. Um, and I, I love those type of endings actually. And I, I actually understand though, um, why pe- people who want answers, I don't, I don't have that need. I actually like to, you know, take it from there in a lot of occasions. But I, I, like, I also, like I said, I understand when people are like, you know, why don't we know me? I have him, uh, the minute it goes black, he, 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 he jabs his eye and, you know, cause he's, because he is always, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to make it work. He's trying to figure it out the whole time. And, and this is just another step forward for him to, to play the role and play the part. I think he goes for it, but I understand the other, other side as well. I mean, there's pure hesitation, no doubt about that. We can't, can't, uh, can't dismiss that. One um, final question Olivia for Coleman. you. Yes, I, I had some for you. Bring it on, man. Uh, so about the endings with those two endings, in your estimation, we'll, we'll, do a, a, we'll do an actual you know, <laughs> timing, but which ending shot do you think was longer? Because they were both extremely long. Ooh. Say like... I'll, I'll, my gut tells me right now that it's dog tooth. Am I wrong? I don't Do we ha- know. I don't know. I'm I'm asking so that right. we can make a bet here. I'm saying Yeah, uh, no. It's, well, we'll circle back next time we do one. Yeah. We're going to respond to this I'm and discuss it. I go uh, you say lobster, I say dog tooth. Okay. All right, that's a bet, my friend. All right, cool. That is a bet. Uh <laughs> that's a that's a great point too. It's I that elongated moment. It's really tense and then black. I just I I love it. I I don't know why and I'm glad that is the case with me. Um that I that I appreciate that tool. It's just that I'm always like, oh, and then then I get a chance to 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 you know weave my own tail a little bit and, and play with the world they gave us. Um, Olivia Coleman is awesome. You you mentioned how much you appreciate her. I remember her back in Peep Show. I'm such a fan of that. I think it's one of the best shows ever. Broadchurch is good. Uh, I love BBC television. Um, now she's in The Crown. Um, she's just. I'm so glad. She's having this moment and she won, you know, she won, uh, you know, best actress for the favorite, which we're going to talk about. I just I'm so happy she's in the limelight the way she is. She's so wonderful. Yeah. I mean, her comedic skills combined with her just like presence on uh, behind the camera. And uh, it's uh, one of my favorite things. I, I I remember after I'd seen her and a few things that dawned on me that she was in an an episode of the original British office. And I remember noticing she played just an absolute straight, straight man to like Ricky Ray's character. But you know, it's just, I remember it's just an odd thing that I remembered her from so many years ago. And, you know, and now she, I mean, she's sort of reached the highest plateau you can at this point. I mean, she's the one, if I could name any actor, I mean, it would be, I would throw Jennifer Lawrence in there, Olivia Coleman, and uh, I mean that those those are two of my two of my favorites. I'd be oh, I love I love that. Yeah, maybe Christian Bale. That's cool. But Bale's I'm a, I'm a huge huge. We should do an episode about Bale. Oh, I would love that. It. I'd love to. Exp- I, I would I would love to explore his work, his method, <clears throat> and all his films. Empire that, of the that Sun. That sounds like a great idea. Empire of the Sun. Oh, yeah. American Absolutely. Psycho, and then. Yep. Whatever else. Uh, the Machinist. Mm-hmm. 
Dude, did you see yeah, that, that? That was the one where he lost all the weight. Right. That he was four. And I, he's got my favorite film rant. I mean, the. Uh, oh, my God. I, I, I bring it up all the time. and People don't know what I'm talking about. And I just don't care. Like, how scary. was the light? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite. I just it gets me. Oh, yeah. How it just I, I, I don't know. I, I love it. But um, so the favorite. It's a, a black, black comedy period piece that examines the relationship between two cousins vying to be court favorite to the queen. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And I think I, I find it inspiring and really, really, it makes me excited for cinema and, and, and just in general when, when, you know, uh, someone like um, Yorgos and is getting, this type of shine and this type of film is is getting celebrated in the way that it did. It, I mean, that it it tied for the lead in Academy Award nominations. Um, you know, his films, as we're getting, as as we're obviously pointing out, are weird as fuck. And and just to see it get celebrated in this way was such a big deal. And it, and, and and also because it's a special film featuring just a monster cast. You're you're a fan of this film, aren't you? I'm a huge fan of this film. Uh, it hits so many of uh, the the points that I love that would get me out to a theater. I mean, I've, the obvious shot on film for me, I always love things like that. You, you yes. know, and yeah. uh, but the tone, the comedic tone, and this sort of—I mean, the first thing out of the box that I'm going to say is throwback to Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. It is just yep. absolutely. I don't. I, I've never seen any interviews where he's overtly saying that but this is just this is taking barry linden every i mean it's a everything that 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 kubrick did in that film there's a there's an element there from the wide angle lenses the extreme fisheye lenses to the 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 low lighting shooting a candlelight but the comedy in this film is just i mean absolutely some of the best wittiest uh dialogue i've i've heard in a long time it's right up there with inherent vice and you know to me that's a that's a big one for me yes i think me and you are two champions of inherent vice i i i get like um like physically upset when when i hear and it happened a lot actually when it when it came out that people don't feel that film but you're absolutely right it's i mean it's the dialogue is amazing and uh rachel weiss is is i think is uh is uh, you know, I think everyone knows she was great in this, but I, I, I even believe her performance is a little unsung. Um, she is cold. She's calculated. She is. And it's it to me. I find the way she talks to people absolutely hilarious. And it just it it it's it's, you know, the way she was, you know, talking to Emma, Emma Stone's character when they're shooting guns. I mean, those those three. I mean, that is that that is just I think Emma Stone is wonderful. I think Rachel's wonderful. Olivia Coleman is obviously wonderful. Those three are just, you know, it, being put in a film of this nature that lets them just roar and, and be, you know, the actors that they, they are is just amazing. I saw um, him talking about it and he's like, he's like, honestly, he's like, you know, they have some good male characters in there, but he's like, he's, he described them. He's like, they're mere, mere decorations. They're just decorations. He's like, that's, they're, they're extras. Even, even you know, yeah. Nicholas uh, Holt. Is that who it is? I like yes. him a lot. I loved his um, character in this, though. I thought he added too. some comedic uh, touches to this as well. 
he was if there was a male character that 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 you know really that stood out yeah. amongst these that yeah. that trio it's him and he's great he's beast in x-men he's he's had a fun career already he's that he had a great uh role which i i was t- always talking uh, a lot about when this film was out in mad max uh fury road oh my god yeah. um yeah, he was outstanding in that. It was a really odd situation. He's in that new Tolkien movie. It's been fun. It's 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 really neat his career path to uh, examine. But um, but yeah, it's about it's about the three uh, the three women in this film and and just that them jockeying for a position. And I I agree. It, this is I've seen it now. That was it was my third time when I watched it in preparation for this, and it actually got better. I. I the first time I watched it, I was—I think I had my expectations up a little bit just because I heard the hype, and you know I was definitely taken with it. But I, it just each time I'm watching it now, um, I'm really—I'm—I'm I'm, just—I'm—I'm I'm kind of floored, and I love your Barry Lyndon um, comparison as well. Um, and yeah, it, it's just—it's—it's it's tremendous. This this filmmaker, it's this is this, I'm glad we're doing this because this is it, it's 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 going to be exciting where he goes. Yeah. Well, I talking about we. Talk, we start talking about this uh, in the last uh, the lobster, but you know, I I watched a lot more interviews on the favorite, and all all the actors say that you know he has a long rehearsal period, but the rehearsals uh-huh. aren't really rehearsing the scenes <clears throat> in such of how you would do them. It's really just about getting to know each other and getting comfortable and being very obtuse and strange and getting used to <sighs> not knowing exactly what you're doing. And, and when, and they've all said that he doesn't direct in any way, he doesn't give them any notes about, you know, uh, their emotion or their characters, uh, uh, motivations of any kind. And they, I think all sort of respond to that. I mean, obviously they've, they've, I, I mean, did, both Olivia, did both Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone win Oscars for this film? I don't know about Emma. I I, I don't believe so, but I, I can't confirm that um, in front of me. What you're describing, and I'm glad to hear that. I didn't... Um, he's Yorgos is a little bit tight-lipped and doesn't talk that much about things. He wants his films to kind of... He did more interviews for The Favorite because it kind of blew up than, than he's down on any films. He likes to speak on it, but uh, I didn't... I haven't come upon that much about you know what what it's like working with him this is really outstanding to hear he sounds like a player's coach yes absolutely i mean i think i don't think he knows what he's going for i think he's someone who's like (laughs) when we get there trusting we'll work on it and we'll figure it out and we'll explore and i think that's absolutely how kubrick was as well um and kubrick was also someone who didn't like to explain everything so this guy I, i i mean his trajectory is, 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 you know, sky's the limit for him. And his w- approach to films just felt so fresh to me. And I'm someone who, when someone says, ah, this movie was great, you got to go see it. I watch it and I feel like this was maybe um, traditional or something I've seen before. I have not seen a film like this before. I mean, I'm telling you the no. things that it reminded no. me of, but not. But th- yep. this is an original uh artist right here yeah i agree and just i mean what what we're discussing here um this is this 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 makes it so that there's going to be um actors who are going to want to work with him that that and and there's that level of trust that that the actor is going to trust him 
in his story and just go all in on a story, believe that he's going to bring something to life that's unique and and thought-provoking and everything. And it sounds like that goes the other way too, where he just trusts them to get that character and make it what, you know, they can make it. And that's amazing. And that means like, that means so many great actors are going to, I mean, he even had, he had uh, Nicole Kidman in the, in the killing of the sacred deer, which came out in 2017. And we all see what, 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 what he had in the favorite. I mean, there's going to be people who are going to be wanting to work with him. And that just makes it so exciting moving uh, forward. One theme, one idea that I, I think just is running through all his work, even the ones we're not talking about, is just kind of the corrosive uh, effects of power. And I read that, um, it's, I think it was also that IndieWire article. It was a great interview with him. He said um, that, that it, all, all his works really allude to the fact that greed... Um, kind of can transform obsessive people into grim punchlines of their own making. Um, Cause I, I just think that's such a, a telling way to look at all these characters in, in, in these films. I mean, think, you know, they're acting in their own interest into a point where they just, they just end up looking like these, I don't know, scum that they are in, you know, that's kind of banal way to put it, but yeah, it, the, the, these, these are some unique, uh, unique character studies that he's pre- presenting. I feel that, you know, Olivia Coleman's greed is in, I would say being loved. Uh, you know, here's someone who has 17 yeah. rabbits for her 17 dead children and, you know, she's that's, that's mourning tragic. Them, and she wants to be loved by these rabbits. She wants to be loved uh, by Sarah Churchill, she wants in uh, ultimately wants to be w- loved by Abigail, um, and then you mm-hmm. and then Sarah wants power, I think, and wants respect, yep. and then Abigail wants a different life, and they're all sort of fighting for it amongst each other, and it's it's a very, very uh, it's a perfect balance of wants and needs and in yeah. you know misusing power and uh, everything you're saying is is definitely in there uh i i really yeah. think olivia coleman she plays this character uh, someone said as a teenager i think she plays it as a, like a child like a five-year-old child uh yes. and i think that she's easily amused spoiled and, child and easily emotional uh, and easily vulnerable, yep. you know. Yep. Nope. I think that that's uh, that's a bullseye right there. You absolutely nailed. That's exactly what she how how she played it, and I think that's uh, she played it so perfectly in that way, and 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 that's why is anyone who uh, uh, saw her receive that uh, award knew that it was so so well earned. Um, so I see. Uh, it, who knows what happens moving forward? A lot, of, a lot will change and is changing with what we're dealing with. But uh, the next thing on the table for Yorgos is uh, an adaptation of Jim Thompson's 1964 novel, uh, Pop Twelve Eighty, uh, Population Twelve Eighty, um, which is a crime drama, a tale of lust, murder, and betrayal in a small town in the Deep South. I haven't read it. I hear it's amazing. I actually just ordered it today when I was researching that. But uh, who, you know, hopefully that comes to the table. But I'm, um, I think you know, after doing this, and I'm curious your take on on just your feelings after this experiment that we we put ourselves through. We've been doing this deep dive. I'm just excited, and 
I, I just I I think it's it's I said it earlier, but I I do find it inspiring that a weirdo, someone with these weird concepts, and is is creating these super unique worlds is has been green get you know that making these films and and people seem to be coming to them more and more and it's getting critical acclaim and and it just it gets me excited about filmmaking moving forward and and you know i don't know i i i just i i always get so happy when the weird is celebrated in the mainstream and that's that's what's happening here and i I love it yeah i mean there's something to be said for people who have an original voice and an original vision and if if it's that, if it's unique enough, you know, people are going to come to you. And uh, he doesn't seem like a yeah. person who has to like track people down. It seems like people know him and want to be involved with him. I didn't know anything about this new film. Yep. Oddly enough, I hadn't been doing my homework on what's next for him <laughs> because I was so happy with the favorite. I'm still, uh, I'm still living in <laughs> the still basking in the <laughs> victory of that one. But I'm really excited for what he does next, and I'm optimistic that films are going to. Uh, get going again. Um, I, I know that uh, okay. Christopher Nolan's still trying to get his film to go into theaters in July. Who knows if that'll happen? But yep. you know, there's a there's a push to keep films going, and it is scary right now. But you know, stories are going to be told, and and original voices will will find their way, and people will still shoot on film, and we'll still find ways to project on film, and you know, it, it'll it'll happen. Yep. Absolutely. I, I'm sure I actually believe that, uh, uh, you know, a lot of resolve will be strengthened for the things for the things that we're lacking and deprived of right now. We're going to want more and, and demand more. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And so, you know what? We need to be excited. I, I uh, you know, it's easy to go. It's easy to go into like a dark hole on this. But the, the way to one of the ways I personally, you know, kind of deal with it is just to, to keep envisioning what's beyond um, that horizon and beyond that horizons, a lot of great film, a lot of, you know, time together and a lot of exciting things. And uh, man, this is fun. I really, I really enjoyed this. I, 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 I'm glad you picked this film and that it turned into uh, a celebration of a director like this. So thanks for, thanks for doing this with me, Mitch. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. This was such a great time. Thanks for having me as always. I love being part of it. Of course, of course. And uh, hey, thank you everyone out there uh, for joining the party. We have a lot more uh, coming at you real soon. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.